Good evening, everyone. It's good to have you all here Wednesday night as we come together in the middle of the week to just um, pray together, to, to fellowship together, to enjoy uh, the fellowship from one another. It's like logs in the fire or coals in the fire. You, you gather warmth from each other and uh, we gather um, energy and support and uh, encouragement from each other. We need that every every weekend so in the middle of the week it's good to come together and to 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 get some of that um today we'll be reading again romans 8 and we'll be going through a short portion of it um romans 8 is is a uh, a great look at and see god's purpose for us um it's kind of entitled life in the spirit and as paul's going through romans he's looking he's bringing this in contrast to um uh, the law that Old Testament um, Jews were um, trying to live by the law and having a real struggle at that because the law was made to point out our sin and to point of the Holy Spirit what his purpose is in our lives and as the kind of the, the vision of the chapter is when you read the Holy Spirit's work and role in your life and submit to that there's wonderful benefits um, um, from uh, seeing the Holy Spirit work acknowledge hope um, of, of knowing God's purpose and his working in his life in our lives and uh, it drives us um, to see the grace that God has given us and the power that he's given us to live this life so let's read through it I'm going to read through the whole chapter, and then we're going to read through the first section. And I want you to look at the role of the Holy Spirit in the believer's life. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. For the law of the Spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus from the law of sin and death. For God, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin he condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirements righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk not according to the flesh but according to the spirit for those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh for those who live according to the spirit set their minds on the things of the spirit for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on, on the spirit is life and peace. For the mind that is set on the flesh is hostile to God, for it does not submit to God's law. Indeed, it cannot. Those who are in the flesh cannot please God. You, however, are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. If, in fact, the spirit of God dwells in you, anyone who does not have the spirit of Christ does not belong to him. But if Christ is in you, although the body is dead because of sin, the spirit is life because of righteousness. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brothers, we are debtors not to the flesh to live according to the flesh. For if you live according to the flesh, you will die. But if by the Spirit you put to death the deeds of the body, you will live. For all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. 
You did not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back into fear, but you have received the spirit of adoption as sons, by whom we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God, and if children, then heirs, heirs of God and fellow heirs with Christ, provided we suffer with him in order that we may also be glorified with him. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is to be revealed to us. For the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who, who subjected it, in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruit of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. For in this hope we were saved. Now hope that is seen is not hope. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. But the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is the mind of the Spirit, because the Spirit intercedes for the saints according to the will of God. And we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good, for those who are called according to his purpose. For those whom he foreknew, he also predestined to be conformed to the image of his Son, in order that he might be the firstborn among many brothers. And those whom he predestined, he also called. And those whom he called, he also justified. And those whom he justified, he also glorified. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? He who did not spare his own son, but gave him up for us all, how will he not also with him graciously give us all things? Who shall bring any charge against God's elect? It is God who justifies. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died, more than that, who was raised, who is at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation, or distress, or persecution, or famine, or nakedness, or danger, or sword? As it is written, for your sake we are being killed all the day long. We are regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am sure that neither death nor life, nor angels nor rulers, nor things present nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. Amen to the reading of God's word. Meditate on his truth. We're going to look at the first uh, 11 verses today, so I'm going to read that again. Again, we're looking at the Holy Spirit's work and role um, in our lives and the comfort that we get from that. Of course, the Holy Spirit is called the comforter. Um, on Sunday, I uh, was speaking... Um, where were we? In Acts um, 19, and uh, we were talking about um, Paul um, meeting with 12 men in Ephesus, and 
who hadn't uh, come to trust in Christ yet. And he said, ha have you, um, um, he said, uh, did you receive the Holy Spirit? And he said, we haven't even heard of the Holy Spirit. And so we were talking about the, the, the Holy Spirit at that time. There was a transition point, and these men had not, um, they hadn't, well, they hadn't trusted in Christ, and they hadn't um, received the Holy Spirit. But now we look in this chapter, and we see that at this time, <clears throat> that the Holy Spirit is, uh, comes to abide in everyone who trusts in Christ, when they trust in Christ. And we see the benefit of the Holy Spirit's work in our lives. Um, the first thing sticks out. There is therefore now no condemnation for those who are in Christ. We are free from God's judgment. The law doesn't do that. It doesn't free us from God's judgment. The Holy Spirit's work in us to make us a new creature frees us from God's judgment. That's something as believers we shouldn't take for granted. Um, we know it's true we take it for granted when we don't acknowledge it regularly. So as a time of prayer, take some time to thank God for what he has done by setting us free from, condemnation, from his judgment and condemnation. Do we actually realize how much that means, how much that matters in our life? If we interact with unbelievers, we would soon realize how great it is to have a free um, to, for our souls to be free no longer under the judgment of God some of them don't even realize that they're under God's judgment but you see it in all phases of their life they are the walking condemned that's who we were we are no longer under God's judgment how freeing is that for us if we don't have God to fear in his judgment, reality is we have nothing to fear. Absolutely nothing to fear. Um, I, I teach in my new membership class that biblical theology is much different than common world theology. And, and I use this, this phrase, the Star Wars mentality of good and evil. The Star Wars mentality is that there's a good force and there's an evil force, and they're both strong. In fact, they're equal and opposite. That's what they teach. The Bible doesn't teach that at all. That's why we call God the Almighty, not Almighty, but the Almighty. There is none his equal. And so when we realize, as it says towards the end of the chapter, if God is for us, who can be against us? When we are freed by God, um, John in, in the gospel said, if the Son has set you free, you are free indeed. Who is, who is there to condemn you when God has set you free. And so we need to understand how great it is to be liberated, to be freed from the judgment of our sins. So he starts there. There is therefore no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. And he makes the point that you didn't get that from obeying the law. You got that by the Spirit being imparted to you. God gave you the Holy Spirit. And, and, and it's his work in our lives that has set us free from God's judgment. It says, verse 2, for the law of the spirit of life has set you free in Christ Jesus. Notice the, the, notice the contrast. The law of the spirit, not, not the Old Testament law, but the law of the spirit has set you free. The Old Testament law condemns us. Yes, it points us to Christ as the only, self, as the only Savior, but it condemns us that we have no hope outside of Christ. And that's true. For 
verse 3, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do. So as we pray today, we can recognize, thank you. Um, I don't often enough in my prayer time, and I want to encourage you as well, acknowledge the Trinity in our prayers. We're praying to God the Father. We're thanking him for what he's done through his son, Jesus Christ, and the work of the Holy Spirit to bring that into our lives. So it says, for God has done what the law weakened by the flesh could not do by sending his own son in the likeness of sinful flesh and for sin. He condemned sin in the flesh in order that the righteous requirement of the law might be fulfilled in us who walk, here it is, according not to the flesh, but according to the spirit. So the Trinity is, is all there. What God the Father has done through God the Son, and now it's the Holy Spirit that empowers us daily to allow us to walk in the victory that we have. <clears throat> and it goes on to say, though, verse 5, those who live according to the flesh set their minds on the flesh, the things of the flesh, but those who live according to the Spirit set their minds on the things of the Spirit. And so we've been given life by the Spirit, and the encouragement from God's Word is to continue to walk in the power of the Holy Spirit, not in the power of our own flesh. We recognize that it, it's the Spirit's work that um, um, allowed us to be free from this condemnation. It's the Spirit's power that we walk by, no longer walking, trying to, in our own power, observe the law, keep the law. Um, we are walking free from the condemnation that, that the law would give because of the Spirit's work in us. Now, that work is not uh, just because... Um, um, put it this way, the, the work of the Spirit brings us to a new uh, endeavor in holiness. Some people will say, well, now I don't have to obey the law and I can do as I please. That's, that's not what the Holy Word, the Holy Scriptures are telling us is that we have another law operating in us, but it's not a law that condemns us. It's a law that comforts us and enables us to live in obedience to God. That's the law of the Spirit. Verse six: For to set the mind of the, for to set the mind on the flesh is death, but to set the mind on the spirit is life and peace. Let's skip down to verse eleven for a quick point. If the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he is he is pointing a fact. Believers have the Holy Spirit operating in them. Um, he goes on to say, uh, where is it? Verse 14, for all who are led by the Spirit of God are sons of God. That's the definition of what it means to be a child of God, to be led by the Spirit, to have the Spirit indwelling in us and leading us. I'm going to pause there. Let's take time tonight in our prayer time to acknowledge what God has done in, in, in making us free from sin and praise him for that. Thank him for that. Make it known to him that um, you acknowledge the work of the Holy Spirit in your life, the work of the freedom, the work that um, God has done to set you free from sin, and that you are thankful to God. You're thankful to Christ. You're thankful to the Holy Spirit for that triune work of salvation that, 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 uh, that he has done.
Good evening, saints. We've been blessed to complete our series in Revelations, and so we'll be beginning anew in the Gospel of John. So join me in the Gospel of John, and we'll start in the first chapter. We'll just read it and just meditate on this word. says in the beginning was the word and the word was with God and the word was God he was in the beginning with God all things were made through him without him was not anything made that was made in him was life the life was the light of men the light shines in the darkness and the darkness has not overcome it. there was a man sent from God whose name was John he came as a witness to bear witness about the light that all might believe through him. He was not the light, but came to bear witness about the light. The true light, which gives light to everyone, was coming into the world. He was in the world, and the world was made through him, yet the world did not know him. He came to his own, and his own people did not receive him. But to all who received him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God, who were born not of blood, nor of the will of the flesh, nor of the will of man, but of God. And the word became flesh and dwelt among us. And we have seen his glory, glory as the only son from the Father, full of grace and truth. John bore witness about him and cried out, This was he of whom I said, He who comes after me ranks before me, because he was before me. For from his fullness we have received grace upon grace. For the law was given through Moses, Grace and truth came through Jesus Christ. No one has ever seen God. The only God who's at the Father's side has made him known. It's the Gospel of John. Now we were talking about it last week, about how we want to get a good picture of what the book is about. But the good thing about the Gospel of John is he tells you <laughs> right what the book is about in chapter 20. So we'll just turn there really quickly. He says in 2030, Now Jesus did many other signs in the presence of the disciples, which are not written in this book. But these are written so that you may believe that Jesus Christ, Jesus is the Christ, the Son of God, and that by believing you may have life in his name. This is the purpose of the book. So that we would understand that Jesus is the Messiah, that he is God, and that by believing in him, you might have life in his name. And if that's the purpose of the book, which it is, because the author said it is, what are we learning about that purpose in the first part? What are we to believe about this Son of God? And how does this confirm our belief? So I think there's two things that are always operating in the book of John. There is what we should believe about Jesus Christ and things that contribute to make our belief more sure. What should we believe about Jesus Christ in this section? Anybody got any things they want to throw out there? That he is equal with God. Eternal. 
He's the creator. He's the creator. What else? He's God's word made flesh. Sometimes he writes in a simple style, but what he's doing is hardly ever simple. Right? And when you look at it, what we could say is this. In the beginning was the word. Now, what is a word? And we talk about this a lot. But when you think about a word, a word is how one brain connects to another. We cannot really know what's in somebody else's mind unless they communicate it in some way. And so for anybody to say that they know what's in God's mind, but they haven't gone through Jesus, it is a definite lie. Because Jesus is the word. He is the communication of God. We cannot know the mind of God without knowing Jesus. We cannot clearly understand God without understanding Jesus. To not understand Jesus is to not understand God. Somebody might come and say, hey, you know, Allah, Muslims and Jews and Christians all got the same God. No, we don't. Because they don't recognize the word. And if you don't recognize the communication of God, your morals may be correct in some ways. You may understand that stealing is wrong. You may understand adultery is wrong. You may understand homosexuality is wrong. And I might stand with you when you say those things. But you do not understand the core truth about who God is. And you can't. Because you don't even understand his son, his word, his language, his thoughts. So there's no way. It talks about the fact that when you understand the word, you start to understand some properties about him and that he's overcome the darkness. He has overcome the darkness. Not only does he communicate fully who God the Father is in flesh, right? He is fully God in flesh, but he destroys the works of darkness. We have a witness to that light. This witness is named John. He's not the author of the book, so which John is this? John the Baptist. John the Baptist. He is a witness. He was not the light, but he bore witness. And that's important because everybody accepted that John the Baptist was a prophet. The world was made through him, as we said before. But people did not receive him. And maybe unbelief might be the second major theme of the book of John, right? Unbelief and belief, this connection between the two of them. We believe in Jesus Christ because we understand who God is. But they didn't understand him even though he made the world. They didn't understand him even though he had the same ethnicity as them. He came to his own, but his own did not receive him. But they didn't have the power to receive him. Why? But to all who did receive him, who believed in his name, he gave the right to become children of God. And I think maybe you could think of it in the opposite sense. It's the children of God who did receive him. Right? It is the reception of him that makes us the children of God. 
born not of blood, not of the will of flesh, not of the will of man, but of God. Where'd they come from? They came from God. A lot of times, I think in our Christian circles, we could talk about faith in such a way that in some ways it starts to become a word. Right? We start to say, well, I believe so hard. And you see people, they be praying hard. They squeeze their eyes tighter. They put more faith in that prayer, right? They're squeezing it in. It's kind of like when, you know, you make a sandwich and you can't fit it all in the bread, so you just try to squeeze it down and make it in there. We do that with our faith. We just put in the effort in there. We're going to force that faith in there, right? I think in doing that, we in some ways make faith a mental work. Our effort is so important. But we're born of the will of God. Not our force of will. Not even the great faith that we say we have. And so that's just so important recognize the humility of where we came from. And we came because God willed it. And if God didn't will us to understand, nobody would understand. I think we're going to start to see that the amount of people who don't believe, a lot of them are smarter than us. A lot of them are richer than us. A lot of them are more privileged than us. A lot of them have a lot of advantages that we don't have. And sometimes in Christianity, I think sometimes we can get an inferiority complex rather than a thankfulness complex, which is what we really need. We really need to be thankful that God saved us. We really need to be so thankful. And that's how he set us apart. It's not to be thankful so we can say, oh, you know, we're better. Because then we kind of come like Christian Hitlers or something. We're the chosen ones. We're the righteous ones. No, we're not thankful. We're chosen in a sense not chosen because of some inherent goodness in us. God just chose because he chose us. He chose us because he's good, not because we're good. We have to remember and get that order in mind. We can get too caught up in ourselves, right? Sometimes I even do that. Man, how do I know I'm saved? Because I taught a good lesson on Sunday. Really? You don't think it ain't no unsaved people that taught a good, taught a good lesson on Sunday? You don't think it's no unsaved people that sung a good song on Sunday? encourage people on Sunday who seem like they had the Holy Spirit on Sunday mm-hmm. are we convincing ourselves that we say are we convincing ourselves by our own efforts we have to be careful where did life come from where did that come from let's explore that and think about that where did that life come from it came from God so our performance can sometimes fool ourselves. We can think, man, if I do a good sermon this Sunday, I'm really pleasing God. If I do a bad sermon, God is really displeased with me. That could just be a reflection of your preparation. Some amounts of luck. You don't want to mention that in church sometimes. Some amount of luck is involved, right? Sometimes we just get on a hot streak. Sometimes we just get on a cold streak. don't want to acknowledge that. No, it was because I worked so hard. you unfortunate. But the thing that saves us is not our work. It's God's spirit that saves us. I think sometimes we need to try to confirm in ourselves, commune 
within ourselves with the Holy Spirit and say, Holy Spirit, you in there? I'm in here. Thank God. I know I'm safe. He answered back. It's not an echo. (laughs) That's my confirmation that I'm saved, right? Lord, you in there? I'm in here, Brian. Again. Empowerment to do the um, empowerment and the right mindset to do the things that God has called. I'll pray for a little bit of that. Who wants to pray with Dell? You go. So Dell, start. You go second. Dell first. Heavenly Father, we just, uh, first of all, come before your throne of grace and mercy, asking for forgiveness of sin, Lord God. We know that uh, every day that we fall short of, what, uh, of short of your glory, O oh God. We don't do what we're supposed to do, or we do the things that we're not supposed to do. But yet, uh, we thank you for your son, Jesus Christ, uh, who died on the cross for our sins so that we uh, can come to you before your throne of grace and mercy and receive forgiveness and be and, and put back in right fellowship with you, O oh God. And we thank you for that. And Lord, we ask now, Lord, that uh, you know, my concern is um, you've allowed us to participate in what you're doing in your ministry of reconciliation, as you call men, women, and children to yourself, O oh God. You've allowed us to participate in this ministry here in this church and you allowed us to do many different things, and you've uh, you've uh, you've allowed us to um, express our gifts and take advantage of, uh, of the gifts that you've given us. And we thank you for that, and we thank you for the fellowship that you've allowed us to have. And but Lord, we ask you, Lord, that uh, sometimes in the midst of um, in the midst of ministry and doing the things that you call us to do, oh God, we we can get lost in in the reason why we do what we do, and sometimes we just get caught up in the rote and the routine of it, oh God. And we ask you to forgive us for that. And we pray, oh God, that you would help us, Lord, to stir up within us and a uh, fire, Lord, for uh, uh, for your work and for your ministry, oh God. And I pray, oh God, that you would give us right motivations for the things that we do. A lot of times we do things, and they're good things, but sometimes we do them for all the wrong reasons. And we ask you to forgive us for that, Lord. And we ask, oh God, that you would... Uh, empower us to do what you've called us to do and then help us oh God give us the right motivations that when we are able to participate in what you're doing that we do it for the right reasons and forgive us where we fall short but we are thankful for your grace that despite all that and in spite of all that oh God you still allow us uh, to participate in what you're doing Um, like that child helping his father in the garage to fix on his car father doesn't really need to child's help to just hand them a, uh, a screwdriver or anything, but you still allow us to participate in things that you don't need our help to do And we, as your child because you love us, and we thank you for that. 
And we ask all this in the name of Jesus. Amen. Dear Lord, I agree with that prayer, and I just pray that, agree that we should be doing things, Lord, just out of a right heart attitude, Lord, and we know that all comes from you. Lord, we know that we love you because you first loved us. Lord, I pray that we would understand that, Lord, all that you've called us to do is by your grace, and it's not of our own will. And Lord, I pray that we would, Lord, just have a thankful heart, Lord, when we're driven to do things, and Lord, that we would understand, Lord, that it's not even when we're doing the good works, Lord, that it's necessarily our great love for you, Lord, but it's the love of Christ that constrains us, Lord, uh, to, to do your will. And Lord, I pray that we would understand that the love that you're working in us uh, doesn't even, in a sense, come from us, Lord, but it comes from you. And I pray that you would help us to um, just really be thankful for that, Lord, Be as we look at the world we can be thankful, Lord, for the way that you changed our heart's desires, Lord, to have a heart that wants to serve and follow you. And, Lord, we pray that we would, in that same sense, understand that such were some of us, Lord, that we are no better than anyone, Lord, but that because you saved us, Lord, you can use us to go out and proclaim your truth, Lord, and that same powerful truth that you used to save us, you can use to save them. And Lord, we pray that you would help us, Lord, to believe that, Lord, that that is, that is an undeniable truth, Lord, and that we would not see serving you as a burden, Lord, because it's not. And Lord, that we would understand that it is a privilege to be identified with the risen Christ. And uh, Lord, I just thank you, Lord, that you identified with our sin and shame on the cross. And Lord, you've given us the privilege uh, here on this earth, Lord, to identify with your glory and majesty, Lord. So, Lord, may we, may we have a right mindset from you, Lord, as we are out in the mission field, as we are amongst one another, Lord. I pray that you would help us to be an encouragement to one another, and, Lord, that you would help us to not have uh, selfish ambitions, Lord, but that you would help us to have a heart to build up one another and to be a blessing to one another. In Jesus' name. Lord, we want to continue in prayer. We just want to lift up this prayer request for Dell as he has asked for just continuing guidance and continuing living his life according to your word and according to your plan for him. You broaden it to all of our lives, Lord, as this is something that we all should strive to do. We ask that you continue to use us, continue to order our steps, allow us to continue to do your word by walking in your word, not being dragged along contrary to what we want to do, Lord, but that we are in lockstep with you and that we identify your use for us, that we continue to move in that direction, continue to always seek out what you would have planned for us to do and that you just do it. You continue to be faithful in our serving in that way. We ask you continue to stir us up, give us the zeal to do your work, continue to give us the strength and the energy that we need to accomplish it. And daily, just continue to refine us, Lord, that we continue to serve you and how you would have us to serve you, and that we can be a pleasing use for you, Lord, as um, part of our following you is to do your work here, to point others to a life with you, Lord, and to show them the grace that you have and the power you have to change lives. We ask you to continue to use all of us, continue to use this church in this way. In your name we pray, amen.